Chapter Two of Babu Jabberjee, B.A. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Babu Jabberjee, B.A. by F. Anstey. Chapter Two. Some account of Mr. Jabberjee's experiences at the Westminster Play. Being forearmed by editorial beneficence with ticket of admission to theatrical entertainment by adolescent students at Westminster College, I presented myself at the scene of acting in a state of liveliest and frolicsome anticipation on a certain Wednesday evening in the month of December last, about 7.20 p.m. At the summit of the stairs I was received by a posse of polite and stalwart striplings in white kids, who, after abstracting large circular orifice from my credentials, ordered me to ascend to a lofty gallery, where, on arriving, I found every chair preoccupied, and moreover was restricted to a prospect of the backs of numerous juvenile heads, while expected to remain the live-long evening on the tiptoe of expectation and shank's mare. This for a while I endured submissively from native timidity and retirement, until my bosom boiled over at the sense of civis romanus sum, and, descending to the barrier, I harangued the wicket-keeper with great length and fervid eloquence, informing him that I was graduate of high-class native university after passing most tedious and difficult exams, with fugitive colours, and that it was injurious and deleterious to my mensana incorpore sano to remain on legs for some hours beholding what i practically found to be invisible but though he turned an indulgent ear to my quandary he professed his inability to help me over my pons asinorum until i ventured to play the ticklish card and informed him that i was a distinguished representative of honourable punch who was paternally anxious for me to be awarded a seat in the lap of luxury then he unbended and admitted me to the body of the auditorium where i was conducted to a coin of vantage in near proximity to members of the fair sex and galaxy of beauty thus by nint of nude gumption i was in the bed of clover and seventh heaven and more so when on inquiry from a bystander i understood that the performance was taken from mr terrace's adelphi theatre which i had heard was conspicuous for excellence in fierce combats blood-curdling duels and scenes in court and i narrated to him how i too when a callow and unfledged hobbardyhoy had engaged in theatrical entertainments and played such parts in native dramas as heroic giant killers and tiger slayers in which i was an au fait and facile princeant also in select scenes from shakespeare's play of macbeth in english and being correctly attired as a scotch but presently i discovered that the play was quite another sort of adelphi being a jocose comedy by a notorious ancient author of the name of terence and written entirely in latin which a contiguous damsel expressed a fear lest she should find it incomprehensible and obscure i hastened to reassure her by explaining that having been turned out as a certificated b a by indian college i had acquired perfect familiarity and nodding acquaintance with the early roman and latin tongues and offering my services as interpreter of quicquid agunt homines and the entire farrago libelli which rendered her red as a turkey-cock with delight and gratitude when the performance commenced with a scenic representation of the roman acropolis 
and a venerable elderly man soliloquizing lengthily to himself and then carrying on a protracted logomachy with another greybeard although i understood sundry colloquial idioms and phrases such as uxorum duxit carum mihi quid agis curamat and the like all of which i assiduously translated viva voce i could not succeed in learning the reason why they were having such a snip-snap until the interval when the lady informed me herself that it was because one of them had carried off a nautch girl belonging to the other's son which caused me to marvel greatly at her erudition i looked that in the next portion of the performance i might behold the nautch girl and witness her forcible rescue or at least some saltatory exhibition but alack she remained sotto voce and hermetically sealed and though other characters in addition to the elderly gentleman appeared they were all exclusively masculine in gender and there was nothing done but to converse by twos and threes when the third portion opened with a long desiderated peep of petticoats i told my neighbour confidently that now at last we were to see this dancing girl and the abduction but she replied that it was not so for these females were merely the mother of the wife of another of the youths and her attendant ayah and even this precious pair after weeping and wringing their hands for a while vanished not to appear again now as the entertainment proceeded i fell into the dumps with increasing abashment and mortification to see every one around me i even the women and the tenderest juveniles clap the hands and laugh in their sleeves with merriment at quirks and gleeks in which in spite of all my classical proficiency i could not discover le mot pour le rire or crack so much as the cream of a jest but must sit there melancholy as a jib-cat or smile at the wrong end of mouth for indeed i began to fear that i had been fobbed off with the smattered education of a painted sepulchre that i should fail so dolorously to comprehend what was plain as a turnpike staff to the veriest british babe and suckling however on observing more closely i discovered that most of the grown-up adults present had books containing the translation of all the witticisms which they secretly perused and that the feminality were also provided with pink leaflets on which the dark outline of the plot was perspicuously inscribed moreover on casting my eyes up to the gallery i perceived that there were overseers there armed with long canes and that the small youths did not indulge in plaudations and hilarity except when threatened by these and thereupon i took heart seeing that the proceedings were clearly veiled in an obsolete and cryptic language and it was simply matter of right and custom to applaud at fixed intervals so i did at rome as the romans did and was laughter holding both its sides as often as i beheld the canes in a state of agitation i am not unaware that it is to bring a call from newcastle to pronounce any critical opinion upon the ludibrious qualities of so antiquated a comedy as this but while i am wishful to make every allowance for its having been composed in a period of prehistoric barbarity I would still hazard the criticism that it does not excite the simpering guffaw with the frequency of such modern standard works as exempli gratia miss brown or the aunt of charlie to either of which i would award the palm for pure whimsicality and gawkiness candor compels me to admit however that the conclusion of the adelphi in which a certain magician summoned a black-robed steeple-hatted demon from the nether world who after commanding a minion to give a pickleback to sundry grotesque personages did castigate their ulterior portions severely with a large switch 
was a striking amelioration and betterment upon the preceding scenes and evinced that terence possessed no deficiency of up-to-date facetiousness and genuine humour though i could not but reflect osi sic omnia and lament that he should have hidden his vis comica for so long under the stifling disguise of a serviette i am a beggar at describing the hurly-burly and most admired disorder amidst which i performed the descent of the staircase in a savage perspiration my elbows and heels unmercifully jostled by a dense unruly horde and going with nose in pocket from trepidation due to national cowardice while the seething mob clamoured and contended for overcoats and hats around every exiguous aperture through which bewildered custodians handed out bundles of sticks and umbrellas in vain hope to appease such impatience nor did i succeed in recovery of my hat and paraphernalia until after twenty-four and a half minutes greenwich time and with the labours of hercules for the golden fleece for which i was minded at first to address a sharp remonstrance and claim for indemnity to some pundit in authority but perceiving that by such fishing in troubled waters i was the gainer of a golden-headed umbrella fresh as a rose i decided to accept the olive branch and bury the bone of contention End of chapter 2